sermon title today is The Divine Design of Delay. The Divine Design of Delay. All right? For the last several months here at Valley, either through our live stream, and so thank you for joining us today if you're on our live stream, or you who are in person, thank you for being here. For the last several months, we've been going through the book of John. And in the book of John, uh, in the first 10 chapters, we're going to start chapter 11 today, and you saw the title behind me was The Resurrection, a two-part series on resurrection. This is not the resurrection of Christ. This will be the resurrection that he performs on Lazarus. And so, um, but anyway, in those first 10 chapters, we have seen six miracles, six miracles. We've taught you on those. We've preached from the, this pulpit about those, and um, there's a total in the book of John of eight miracles that take place, and six of them, and I'm going to just recap them really quickly. I'm not going to go through them and preach on those because we'd be here forever if I did. Uh, it took us 10 months or so to get to here, so I don't want to pre- re-preach that this morning. But here's the, here's the six that we've dealt with so far. In chapter 2, Christ turned the water at the wedding. If you'll remember, they ran out of wine, and so Christ turned water into wine. Uh, chapter 4, he healed the nobleman's son. In chapter 5, he healed the paralytic. In chapter 6, a couple different miracles in chapter 6, he multiplied the loaves and the fishes. That was the first, that was number four. And then the fifth one in chapter six there, Christ walked on the water. And number six, we just did a little while back, he cured the man born with blindness. All right. The writers of the other gospels uh, included more miracles than what John did, but these are the six so far that we've looked at that John uh, recorded. And these are the miracles of Christ. But I am gonna tell you not just because I'm preaching on it today, but I believe that this miracle, the seventh miracle, is the greatest one of all of them. Um, All of them obviously took the power of God, the Holy Spirit had to work and do these miracles, but there's something about conquering death. And um, it's the prelude in him raising Lazarus, it's the prelude of him raising his own self the resurrection. It's also the prelude to what you can expect. Okay, let me say that again because I got no response at all from you. I don't know what's been going on. I don't know what's going on with you guys, but maybe Paul and Matt will put up with that. You got to talk with me. All right, I'll call you out otherwise. It's the prelude to what you can expect for yourself. Amen? Amen. If you're here this morning and you don't believe in the resurrection... I pray that by the time you leave this morning, you will. Because if you don't believe in the resurrection, you don't know him. You don't know him. And we want, like everything, for you to know him. I want to take you to heaven with me. Amen? I don't want to leave heaven without taking some people with me. I hope that you don't want to go to heaven without taking some people with you. And so we're going to see here a little prelude. Now listen, they gave me these 16 verses, and it stops way short of the resurrection, which is a bummer for me, because I want to tell you, he was raised. Christ is risen, Lazarus was risen, and we're going to one day walk out of a grave if you go that way. Now I'm hoping, my grandpa used to say this, 
At least this is what I understand. I think I've heard him say it maybe once or twice. I was a young kid. But my uncles and my dad told me he said this all the time. When he comes back, I'm either going Subway or I'm going to go Airmail. I'd love to go Airmail. My grandpa wanted to go Airmail. He went Subway. But tell you what, when Christ comes back, I'm going to see my grandpa again. I'm going to see my dad. I'm going to see my mom. But most of all, I'm going to see the one that died for me. Amen? Amen? All right, you're going to have to preach with me now. I already, told, I already warned you. Don't make me have to call out your names. In this miracle, we will see the glory of Christ revealed. His deity will be presented once again. And so I'm going to read the passage to you, and then I'm just going to try and hit some spots in here and tell you what I see and tell you why I think that the divine design of delay is so important. Here we go. Look at the chapter with me, chapter 11. Now, I do my studies, and I usually do my stuff from NASB, New American Standard Bible, and so I'm sorry if it doesn't line up completely with the NIVs that we have in our in our pews or no we don't have them in there they're not there right now sorry hopefully you got a bible with you but i think that my dear friends up in the booth will take care and put this behind us now a certain man was sick lazarus of bethany the village of mary and her sister martha it was mary it was the mary who anointed the lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother lazarus was sick so the sisters sent word to Jesus to him saying Lord behold he whom you love is sick but when Jesus heard this he said this sickness is not to end in death but for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified by it now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus so when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, now, now Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you there. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there no, not 12 hours in the day if anyone walks in the day he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world but if anyone walks in the night he stumbles because the light is not in him this he said and after that he said to them our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep the disciples then said to him well Lord if he has fallen asleep he will recover now Jesus had spoken of his death but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep so Jesus then said to them plainly Lazarus is dead and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him therefore Thomas who is called Didymus said to his fellow disciples let us also go so that we may die with him. 
Heavenly Father, we ask you this morning that we will be able to see the truth of this passage for what you meant it to say. Use your servant in the pulpit today. Lord, I pray they don't hear me, that they would hear from you. Let your word go out. May your son be glorified today for what he did back then. May he be glorified today for the fact that he conquered the grave. Be with us now as we take a look at this wonderful passage that you wrote down in your precious son's name. Amen. All right, so let's just jump in here. I see in this passage, I see a prayer takes place. All right? I see a prayer that happens in here. And that prayer is from Mary and Martha, and they send it through a messenger. They send it to Jesus because he's about 20 miles away from them, a day's journey away from where they were. Okay? That's where they were at. They were near Judea. They were in that Bethany there. And Christ was in another Bethany on the other side of the Jordan River, or Jordan there. Okay? So he's far away. They send a messenger, and what's the message they send? Here's what they say. Um, Lord, now this is an interesting prayer. And it is a prayer because they, they're, they're asking something to him even though they don't get specific. Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now you say, well, what kind of prayer is that? They're saying help. They're saying the one you love is sick. Now, if they fully understand who he was, if they fully understood who he was, they would know that he already knew that Lazarus was sick. Because how are you going to tell God anything? How are you going to tell God anything? He already knows. Right? But you know what they're practicing? You know what they're practicing? They're practicing Psalm 50, 15. You all know that's one of my favorite passages. Call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. There's a give and take in the passage. That's all they're doing. That's all they're doing. They're saying, Jesus, we know you love our brother Lazarus. We're just letting you know he's sick. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't think that Lazarus was sick with your average cold. They're not calling on him because he's just not feeling quite right. You know, he had a bad day. No, no, he's in trouble. He's got the COVID virus and there's no ventilators ready. They didn't even have ventilators back then, don't. All right. So that's what's going on here. So there's a prayer that's being asked of Christ. Lord, we know that you can do something about this. We know that you love Lazarus. And we know that he's like a brother to you. We're family with you. You know what, today, people, you're family with Jesus Christ. I said, today, you're family with Jesus Christ. You at home, you're family with him. You should rejoice. I became a son of the Father through Jesus Christ. He became my elder brother. Amen. Now, it doesn't fall on a deaf ear with him that he doesn't understand what they're doing. He doesn't, what does he say? The very next verse, verse 4, he says, listen to this. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death. Be careful how you read the scriptures. People will read this and say, well, he said that he wasn't going to die, but he clearly died. No, 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 it's not what it says. It says it will not end in death. 
This sickness will not end in death. He's not even promising that Lazarus won't die later. He's saying he's not going to die because of this sickness. In this sickness, he will not die. There will be no death because of this sickness to Lazarus. That's what he's saying. There's a promise God has made. Jesus Christ has just made a promise to them. It doesn't say he might not die. It doesn't say anything like that. It says this sickness is not to end in death. That's a promise. It's an imperative statement. It's not going to happen. All right? So then what happens? He says, but the reason that this sickness is happening, the reason it's going on, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God himself may be glorified by it. So the purpose of the sickness is not that Lazarus would die. He's not going to have death over this. The purpose of it is that God would be glorified and that the Son of God would be glorified in it, in the sickness, and in what's going to take place. All right, so there we go. A prayer happens, there's a promise, and there's a purpose. The purpose of the sickness is that God would be glorified and that the Son of Man would be glorified. All right, so one more way that we're going to see that Jesus Christ is Messiah. Jesus Christ is God. He has the power to have miracles happen. He's already done six miracles. You think those are easy miracles. You think they're coincidental. No, they weren't. You try walking on water. You try raising a paralytic. You try making a man that has been blind all his life see. Oh, no, they already had an understanding of who they were dealing with. We all kind of know at chapter 11, there's already some proof that he is God. They just haven't fully understood it yet. A prayer, a promise, a purpose. And then we get this rather unusual response. I, I think it's unusual. Maybe you don't, but I think it's very unusual especially if you haven't read past this verse of seven, verse 16. Now, so let me, let's do this. It says very clearly in verse 3 and in verse 5 that Jesus loves Lazarus and he loves Mary and Martha. Doesn't it say that? Look in your verses. Verse 3, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. It's obvious that Christ loves him. What kind of love is he talking about there? There's two different loves in those two verses. The one love in verse 3 is phileo. It's the, it's the a brotherly love. This is someone I'm so close to. I have a brotherly kinship. We're, we're just such great friends. Got anybody like that in your life? It's the kind of love that's that phileo, the brotherly love. Philadelphia, right? Named after phileo, the, brother, the city of brotherly love. Depends on what part of the city you're in, whether you believe that or not. But in verse 5, he says he loved him again. Well, why would he say that again? Well, that's a different love that he says there. And this is John evidencing that this is, John was with him. He saw this stuff take place. Okay, he's writing down the things that he saw. And he says this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. The word there is the agape type of love, indicating a divine, unconditional love. Loves them both ways. Loves Lazarus differently, though, apparently. Because he didn't include Mary and Martha in the phileo love. He only included Lazarus in that. And he may have loved them the same way, but I don't see it in the passage. I see them in a different way. 
So that's what he's, that's the thing. He's saying, I, I love him dearly. It's very obvious that he loves him. I think the messenger that brought the message knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. He was from the same town. This was a spot where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. Is a spot where a lot of Jesus' ministry was centered right there. That was kind of his headquarters. Every time he went out, he came back to that area. So they had had a relationship that was known by a lot of people. What is Jesus' response? It's a puzzling response. It's a very odd response. His initial response, though, is to answer the prayer. How did he answer the prayer? With a promise and a purpose. It won't end in death. Okay, so wait. If you had a loved one, someone that you love, and they text you right now here in church, and they said, I'm in trouble, I need your help right away. Somebody's in a wreck, we need to see you at the hospital, whatever. How many of you would stay and listen to me preach? Oh no, you wouldn't. I would hope you wouldn't. I would hope you would get up and go to that family member or that person that you love dearly and that you'd be by their side. That seems like the natural thing to do. Doesn't it? Would you stay and don't lie? You wouldn't stay. You'd get up and leave. Some of you are looking for an excuse to leave now. You at home, you got to stay. Go get another cup of coffee and hang in there. But look at this response. So when he heard that he was sick, he answered the prayer. He sends a messenger back with that. And then he does this. He then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And we don't even know what he did during those two days. They don't tell us. John doesn't say. Apparently it wasn't anything great because it didn't get written down. They're like, what's this two-day delay thing? I needed help today, right now. You know, I think what he did was he said, I already know Lazarus is dead. Remember, we're talking about a deity. God knows. Jesus knew he was dead already. Before the messenger got back, he was already dead. He died while the messenger was on the way. What kind of, think about this, people. Would you like to be that messenger? I'm coming to tell you that this is not going to end in death, but I can already see Lazarus is dead. But I got to tell you, Jesus said it won't end in death. You got anybody in your life today that you think is dead? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Different kind of death. Not a physical death, but a spiritual death. We all have people in our lives. We've got an entire booklet that we're using to remind us to pray for the who's your one. Amen? We have that because we know who we are. I know who I am. It's easy to forget to pray. But i got a book that I wake up to every morning, nice pretty colors that says who's your one. Uh, I'm going I'm to more than likely do that. Because i got people in my life that are dead. And I don't want them to stay dead. I don't. At one time, you were dead to Christ. You were dead, you had no relationship with the Father. And you were rescued by the Father. I see a little relationship there. But he decides to stay two days later because he knows he's dead anyway. And 
He's working according to the purpose and the plan of his heavenly father. He's not rushing off because he goes, nope, he's already dead, but I already know it's not going to end that way. It must be really nice to know what's coming up. And it's another sign that he is Messiah. He is who he said he was. He is God the Son, and he's equal to God the Father. He's are one and the same. There's a trinity that happens, and he's part of it. If he's not, he's just another man that died, and you're going to, you have no hope. But that's not true. He is who he said he was, and it's so evidenced in this passage. I don't get to get to all the evidence, though, because i got to stop at verse 16. Yeah, I'm a little bit not happy about it. But if I had to preach the whole thing, then we'd have to be here for four weeks. I'm telling you right now, this would not have been my response. It wouldn't have been your response. But it's God's response because he knows. He's got a divine purpose. He's got a divine design for Lazarus and Mary and Martha and these disciples that have been with him. They still don't get who he is. After everything they've done, they still don't get it. Now look, don't be too hard on these disciples. You've read the whole book. They were living the book. But I gotta be, I'm, I, my concern is for that poor messenger. I'm thinking, man, he's, you know what he probably thought? I'm gonna go tell, I, I know Jesus loves Lazarus. I've, I've seen that relationship. I know that. When I get there, I'm going to tell him that Lazarus is sick. I think he probably worked. Maybe he had all day to do this. He's thinking about his message he's going to deliver. I'm thinking about the time he got there, he thought, you know, I'm going to tell him about it. He's going to go, hey, we're going first thing in the morning back there, and I'm going to go with you, the messenger. I'm not just going to send back an answer. I'm going to go with you. We're going to go take care of this. But instead, he's going back with a message. He gets there. Lazarus is dead. He's got to tell him that when Christ said, oh, my goodness, what a confusing thing for this guy. Right? Well, don't you think that would have been kind of a hard one to be, hard to be the messenger on that one? It's, but you know what? It wasn't his job to change the message, was it? He was, when you're a messenger like that in those days, you're an ambassador to deliver a word that was given to you to a party, and then when that party responded, you delivered that word. Now, you didn't change it around and make it say what you wanted it to say. You had to deliver the actual words that were delivered to you. You know what? It's kind of like us, isn't it? 2 Corinthians. Oh man, you don't want to get me going there again, right? We're to be ambassadors of Christ. We're to deliver the message that he's given us. To who? To dead people. Don't go to the morgue now. That's not what I'm saying. Spiritually dead people. Ones with no relationship to God are dead spiritually. They have no access to God. If you're an unbeliever here and you're praying, good luck. Dead people don't get to talk to God. You can respond to God when he quickens you to do so. Now that's a whole other subject matter. What do you think the disciples were thinking when this is going on? What do you think they thought? And wait a minute. You say you love Lazarus. We've heard you say that. You say you love Mary and Martha. We've heard you say it. And now you're just going to delay because he didn't tell them that he was dead yet, right? Not until three days later does he talk to them. I wonder. Now, we, we know there's a purpose for his delay. 
We know there's a design in it. I'm wondering when you are doing your Hoosier One, how many of you are doing that, by the way? Are you, are you praying through a Hoosier One booklet? Man, if you're not, get one online. I think we're out of them. We printed up all of them, and you guys took them, so that means there's probably about 10,000 of you praying. Um, no, we didn't print that many, but we printed up quite a few. But I was just thinking about this in relationship to that, to that little booklet. I was thinking, man, God hasn't answered you yet, maybe, huh? Has, has he answered that yet? Have you, have you prayed for that person for 21 days now, and God, has he answered that prayer yet? Is that person saved yet? Is your one saved yet? Are you going to give up praying? Oh, I hope not. I have a story to tell you. Notice how I segued right into that, didn't I? It's not written down, but I got a story to tell you. And, and, and if you've heard me preach, you've heard me say this before. My mom, who my whole life I just knew my mom and dad to be in church. That's just who they were. And for uh, 30 years, my mom prayed for my brother Martin, my middle brother. I'm the youngest of three boys. For 30 years, maybe more, maybe a little less, she prayed for my brother Martin. And he was either, at that time, he was either a Christian who was far away from the Lord, he was that younger brother off in the far country, or he was just someone that had never been saved. And he will argue with that he was saved, so I'm going to take it that he was. But for 30 years, she prayed for him. My mom contracted bone cancer about two years before uh, that 30-year mark, and she passed away. And um, she never saw the answer to that prayer. So would that mean that God had no design in answering that prayer? There's no divine design. No, because about a year after my mom had passed away, I'm up here leading prayer time, and I look out right back there, that very back row, and there sits my brother, Martin. And um, for six weeks in a row, I looked back there, and he was there every week. And I thought, you know what? God's doing something in his life. I'm not even going to talk to him. I didn't. For six weeks, I didn't talk to my own brother who came to church. I never went and looked him up like, what are you? Hey, you know, get, let's let God deal with him. Stay out of God's way sometimes is a good thing to do. So I stayed out of the way. And he just kept coming. And he kept coming. And finally, he said to me, I've been coming for six weeks now, Bob. He, he saw me finally, and I went, yeah, I know, I've been seeing you. You know, downplay it a little bit. And um, I go, why are you coming here? Not a real passionate thing to, you know, compassionate thing to say to your brother, but I'm like, why are you coming? You've known this is where you should be. Why are you here now? Who convinced you to come? Oh, be careful you don't, don't forget that God is the one working in people's lives, not you. He'll use you to work in their lives, but he has to work on their hearts. He said, you know what, Bob, I can't explain it. Six weeks ago, I went to bed. I woke up the next morning, Sunday morning, and I said, I'm going to church this morning. And I came. I go, well, I noticed that you've been coming. What's different this time? Because he had done that before. He goes, I can't explain it, Larry. As I drove away from the parking lot that first week, 
I just felt like I was at home. I just felt like I was at home. He kept coming. He kept coming. He kept coming. God met him somewhere. And the prayers of his mother were being answered 30-some years later, and she wasn't even walking on the face of the earth to see it. God delayed for a reason. I don't know why. It was his design. That young man who's older than me, so we're not that young. I like to call us young. We're older than most of you, but we're still pretty young at heart. He today, right now, is in, he lives in Idaho, and every week, every week, he teaches Sunday school. Some weeks, he actually preaches. Yeah. Now, God, why would you wait 30 years to bring him to church and then move him off to Idaho? Because he had a plan in his life. He's doing some things at a church that he may never have done here at Valley. But up there, he's ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ to a smaller church that needs him to be there on God's behalf. God had a plan in it. So what does that tell you? Don't give up your prayers. Don't give up on God. I've prayed for one individual all of their life, and they're still a mess. They're still a mess, and I love them dearly. And I'm like, God, what's your plan? Do I have to die for you to do something? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, if I die and leave this earth and he does something in that person's life and I see them in heaven, all the rejoicing that will take place. I'm going to tell you what, there's some people in my life in that little Who's Your One booklet. I just talked to a young lady who was at my house drinking coffee with my wife and something came up and I brought the booklet and I said, you see this booklet? It's got blanks in it where I pray for people. I've been putting your name there. And I don't want to leave this life not knowing you're going with me. It would be death on death to know I left and I didn't get to take you with me. You got anybody in your life like that? Oh, you do. You do. Every one of you does. I've got people like that. Lord, I don't want to leave without taking some people with me. Would you give us some fruit? Would you, if you got to prune the tree to get more fruit, I'm okay with that too. You know, an arborist, when they prune trees because they want to get more fruit, they're usually pruning a healthy tree. They're pruning a tree that's already given them fruit, but they want to get more fruit. So they prune it. Well, God sometimes prunes a, a ministry that's already delivering fruit. He might get in there and prune it and move some branches around. We might get some more fruit. You all okay with that? I'm okay with that. All right. So there was some obvious concerns in this passage by the disciples. Because remember, this is about Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and it's about the disciples. It's about God being glorified and about Jesus Christ receiving the glory that he deserves. And by them acknowledging he truly is who he says he is. It's one more step in the learning process for the disciples. But Mary and Martha and Lazarus are going to enjoy some learning also. 
But here's what happens. Verse 7, then after this, this is returning to Judea. I, the disciples are like, well, we might want to reconsider that. You remember up in chapter 10, verse 40, I think it was, somewhere around there, Matt, you wouldn't know because you just preached on it last week, that passage. But um, they had fled and went across the Jordan to get away from these, this same region that they're going to go into now or that he wants to go back to. And they fled because they were going to stone Christ. So they were trying to put their hands on him so they could eliminate him. Well, if you're his disciple, you're with him, if they're going to eliminate him, there's a real good chance they're planning on eliminating you too. Now, you might not make the book. Your name may not be there as being eliminated, but I'm promising you they might have been looking at you too. All right? So they're like, whoa, wait, wait, time out. Hold on. What do you mean we're going back to Judea? Did you, did you forget that they're trying to kill you there? Let's read it. He says, let us go again to Judea. And the disciples said to him, uh, Rabbi, oh, hold on a second. Um, the Jews were just seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? I mean, that's how they said it. It's very nice the way it's written, but I'm sure they're like, are you crazy? We know you're Jesus and God and all that stuff, but you're crazy. They're trying to kill you. And he answered this, and this is a weird answer. It's a strange answer. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. That's true. During the daytime, you walk around and you don't have to worry about tripping over a rock. And nighttime now, that's different, isn't it? But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles. You can't see all the rocks and the different tripping hazards. So, because the light is not in him. What in the world does that mean? And, um, what he's saying, let me give you a little paraphrase of it. What he's saying is, I am in the daylight of my ministry. The Father has sent me to fulfill a purpose of ministry. I am, we're not at the nighttime yet. We're in the daytime of ministry. No harm will be set me that the Father is, because the Father's not going to allow it. We're in the daylight of ministry right now. And as long as we're in that, no one can touch us. It's really what he's saying. He goes, but the time is coming, and it's coming soon. In this particular passage, about two weeks after this, is when we see the, him get arrested and the crucifixion takes place. He knows that. He knows that. But he's designed everything according to the Father's plan. Jesus didn't come with his plan. He didn't come to fulfill his purpose. He came to fulfill the Father's purpose. Okay, if that's new to you, welcome aboard. So there's that. And they were on the Father's schedule. They weren't on Jesus' schedule even. They were on the Father's schedule. So, and then he says this, though. He, he continues his dialogue. This he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. Okay? Now listen to their response. This lets you know that they don't understand what he's talking about again. The disciples then said to him, well, Lord, if he's just fallen asleep, let him sleep. He will recover. He'll get better. Why, why, why let the sleeping dog lie? Kind of a thing, right? Because guess what? When you get sick and you go to the doctor or you call your doctor or you set up a web appointment or whatever, and they say, okay, we don't think you have a, an infection or whatever, so what do they tell you to do when you're sick? 
get some rest. Get some rest. Drink lots of water. You know, all those things they say that your mom told you when you were little and you didn't believe her, so now you go to a doctor and he tells you the same thing. All right? So get some rest. Sleep. Why, why is that? Sleep is the best medicine sometimes for whatever is ailing you. You wake up and you feel better. That's how it works. Because God has uniquely designed your body to heal itself. I'm not the doctor telling you, oh, he told me to sleep. He's the miracle worker now. Baloney. So, but it's, it, it's like, well, they're like, well, if he's just sleeping, he'll recover from that. He's, he's going to get better from the sickness if he's sleeping. Now, the problem with that is that's not the word that Jesus was using. He wasn't using the word slumber. He wasn't using like, he's just kind of resting and he'll get better. No, no, no. He was telling them that he's dead. Jesus uses the word for death, and it's used in the New Testament. Most of the time, when we hear about a believer in Jesus Christ passing away, what is the terminology that's used? They're asleep. They didn't die. They went to sleep. What is John? Let's just look real quick. Oh, my goodness. Now we're looking at other passages. We could be here forever. Not really. I'll get you out of here in in less than 30 minutes. Just to make you nervous. Look at this, John 5, 24. Look at at this. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Okay, wait a minute. So if I've passed out of death, I believe in Christ, I've accepted him, he's now living in me, I'm never going to die, he's saying. But my body stops. It's going to appear that I'm asleep. It's going to be like I just went to sleep. Uh, I, I've, I've seen my loved ones after their spirit has gone out of the body, and it looks like they're asleep. I've seen them struggle to that point, and then once that's gone, they just look like they're asleep. And Christ is saying to them, he's just asleep. Uh, the, the passages that we have for this, oh my... I like to use these passages so you don't think I'm making stuff up. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, I think it is. If not, Tim's going to have to tell me what the passage is. It's 50, 15. Oh, here you go. Chapter 15, verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, talking to believers, but we will all be changed. Hmm. You know, also in 1 Corinthians, he talks about when they were misusing the Lord's Supper. Believers misusing the Lord's Supper, coming there with sin and mistreating it and abusing it. He said, many of you have fallen asleep. He didn't mean they were taking a nap in church like some of you are doing now. He meant they were dead because they were mishandling the Lord's Supper. So it, we see it there. And then my favorite one is uh, 1 Thessalonians. I love this passage, if I can find it. I know it's in, my, I know it's in the New Testament. So, but you get to this passage here, what a hope this passage is. Come on, where are you at? I should have wrote these things down, shouldn't I? All right, here we go. I'm looking for chapter 4, guys. If you get there ahead of me, great. 
1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. Let's read that. Okay. But we do not want you to be uninformed brethren, so he's talking to believers, about those who are asleep. Same word that Christ used here for Lazarus is asleep. Same word. Okay. So that you will not grieve as do those, do the rest who have no hope. We're talking death here. Someone died in your life. We don't want you to be ignorant about or uninformed about what took place when they went to sleep. We are going to see them again if you continue to read. I love to preach this at a believer's funeral. It's, 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 it's the most incredible passage for a funeral to me. All right. So they have these concerns, and this is his answer to it all. So then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad, here's where it all comes together, this is the divine design of his delay, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. For whose sake? For their sakes. For them. He delayed for the disciples. He delayed for, believe it or not, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He delayed for them, for their sakes. Why? Read on. So that you may believe. So that you might have faith that I'm who I say I am. And why is that? Why would they suddenly have faith? Because he waited? No, because he knows he's going to resurrect Lazarus. Four days after he's gone into a tomb, he's going to raise him up. That's one day longer than what was really required. During this period of time, if you died, you had to be dead three days without any motion or anything, and then they would actually call you dead. Okay? Because sometimes it would look like you just went to sleep, and then you would wake up, so you weren't really dead. So that you may believe. But he doesn't just end it there. He says, but let us go to him. Let's go to Lazarus. And look, isn't it interesting that Jesus says he's dead in verse 12? He's dead. Had he gotten a new messenger that showed up to told him he was dead? Did you, do you see anywhere in the passage where someone else came along and told him, hey, never mind going to see Lazarus because he's dead? No, but Jesus recognizes he's dead. How can anybody know that? No ordinary person would know that because we're not dealing with an ordinary person when we deal with Jesus. We're dealing with the God-man. He's all man, but he's all God. So he knew exactly what was going on. He knew he was going to go there. He knew they were going to release that tomb and he's going to tell, and I'm preaching someone else's sermon now, but he's going to say to them, he's not even going to go in there and, re- and try and resuscitate him. He's not going to do the little chest rub to make sure he's, you know, all that stuff. He's just going to call him out of there. And he's going to come out. Guess what's going to happen to you at the end of time? If you're on the ground and he comes back, he's going to call you out. Come on! He's going to call you out, people. You're not going to stay in the ground. You won't be there anyway. Your spirit will already be with him. But that body of yours is coming out of the grave. It's going to come out when he calls you. You know who's not going to come? Everybody's going to come out when he calls The divine design of delay. I'm delaying so that your faith would be growing. 
that you'll have a different kind of faith, that you believe in me. I've done six incredible miracles and you still don't get it. How many signs do you need to believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is? See, the Jews were sign people. Give me a sign. Gotta show me, gotta show me, gotta show me. Blessed are those who don't have to see to believe. Now, I love this Lazarus thing because it's, it's exactly what we just said. It's the perfect picture of what's going to happen with us. Now, unless we get to go airmail, like my grandpa said. Now, final verse I'll deal with. And, um, you know, I think that Thomas, when, when we talk about the disciple Thomas, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. What a moniker to have put on your name, huh? That's something real positive, huh? You love that one. Hey, I'm, I'm Thomas. Oh, hey, Doubting Thomas. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, okay. Whatever. But look what Thomas does here. After Christ says, we're still going to go. I know that they're trying to kill me. But God's got a purpose that you guys don't know about. We're still going to go. Let us go to Lazarus. Thomas says, therefore Thomas, who is called Didymus, you know why he's called those? Thomas is an Aramaic Thomas is the word for twin in the Hebrew language. Didymus is the word for twin in the, in the Greek language. Okay? Just so, you know, so he was a twin. And I think sometimes we're the twin brother. Because all of you have doubted at some point, haven't you? Oh no, none of you have ever doubted. Not true, is it? Although we don't know who the twin is. So that's why I said sometimes I think it's me. I say I'm a lot, a lot like Peter and I'm a lot like Thomas. Let us also go. This is, now this is doubting Thomas. Let us also go so that we may die with him. I, I want to say I looked at a ton of different commentaries and they're split on this. Is he saying, well, let's just go with him and we'll die with him. Or is he going, let us go with him because if he's going to die, we're going to die with him. I think it was that way. I want to believe it was that way. You know why? Because he was standing with Jesus Christ. When he doubted, there was no Christ in the room with him. There's a bunch of disciples that had probably told him some pretty big fishing stories in the past. And he's like, I'm not going to believe that he's actually back until I see it, until I can touch the wound in his side. But you know, it's very interesting. I don't want to get too ahead of myself here. It's very interesting that Thomas here, when Christ is present, seems to say, well, let's go with him then. We can't let him go die by himself. Let's go. We signed up for this. Peter, when he was with Christ, he, he became a great warrior in the garden. He's nothing but a fisherman. He pulls out a sword and takes on a Roman garrison. The, the most ruthless fighting men of all time, maybe. And Peter, the fisherman, is ready to fight. Why? Because Christ is present. And when did he deny? When Christ is on a cross and not with him anymore. When did Thomas doubt when Christ was not there anymore? 
And guess what? Both of these men died because of the cause of Christ. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came. Once they were indwelt with the Holy Spirit, their courage was back. So I want to believe it was courageous what he was doing. I really do. He could have been a little pessimistic, but I think he was showing courage. I'm done. Um, So what does all that mean to you? What does all that mean to you? What's the whole point of this passage? Well, I think it gives us this picture of when you pray for something, because I'm just going to use it in the prayer aspect, or maybe there's an area in your life that you've been working on and you've been trying to get, man, God, you know I, I want to be closer to you in this area. And you struggle back and forth. And you're like, I, I had a, I, my dad called me one time and we were talking about ministry and he was on the phone and, and he was telling me some things about what he'd seen in my life. And I was, man, I was blown away that he was saying those things. And I'm like, well, man, dad, I, I'm just trying to do what I think God wants me to do. I'm not trying to do it to get any... I'm not after the pleasing of men. I want to please God. And, and he said, well, that's a noble cause, son. That's a good thing to be doing. And, and that is the natural... He goes, and I go, but I remember I went, Dad, why did it take me so long to get here? Why did it take so long to get where my own dad would recognize that God was using me? I didn't need that necessarily, but I'm like, why did it take me so long to get here? What was the delay in my life? Where was the power I needed to be like this? And my dad said these words to me, and I'll never forget it. He said, well, son, I say the same thing about myself all the time. And my dad was light years ahead of me. And he said, I say the same thing, son. But I do know this. You wouldn't be who you are today. You wouldn't be able to minister in the way you're ministering today. You wouldn't be able to do all of that if he hadn't brought you through those things. There's been a delay to get you where you need to be because he needs to work on you some more. He needs to make sure that you understand who he is. He doesn't, he, he's going to leave the ministry of the church to these men. They're going to further the church. We're existing today because of what those men did. They launched the church. Now, they had the Holy Spirit, but if they hadn't understood who they were following, they would have never launched the church. So he keeps working on them. Is he working on you today? If you don't think he's working on you, if you got saved and you just keep living like you did, and you think, man, I, well, I walked up there and I told him I believed, but nothing in your life is changing Oh, you might want to reassess what you did back then. Because once you meet this God, once you fall in love with him, you will never, ever be the same. You can't be. You can't be pleased with any other way. I'm way over. I'm going to say goodbye to you. Goodbye. Love you all. Thank you so much.